Welcome to the Genius of Liberty, stories that celebrate the crucial but forgotten role Ohio played in the fight for women's right to vote. I'm Hillary Copsey, your host. Today's story from researcher Catherine Durack is Bombshell. While Victoria Woodhull of Homer, Ohio made news when she became the first woman to run for President of the United States, that story was eclipsed in November 1872 when she dropped a bombshell that rocked the nation. The Reverend Henry Ward Beecher, Shakespeare of the pulpit, had had sex with his best friend's wife. Nothing is plainer than that the whole social and civil fabrics are rotten from base to capital, and that one half of the whole mass is not only disabled politically, but robbed, oppressed, abused, and slandered without remedy or redress. The first incendiary words announcing the beginning of the battle were launched not by Victoria Woodhull, but by her little sister, Tennessee Claflin, on the editorial page of their paper, Woodhull and Claflin's Weekly. Fed up with the hypocrisy of philandering men who privately practiced free love but publicly condemned it, the sisters declared war. Just a few years earlier, Vicki and Tenney had been hailed in the press as the fascinating financiers and the queens of the quill for their rags to riches rise from working as itinerant fortune tellers to becoming newspaper publishers and the first female stockbrokers on Wall Street. In April 1870, Victoria Woodhull placed a small item in the New York Herald announcing her candidacy for president as a political statement on the status of women. Nine months later, Woodhull was granted a hearing before the Combined Judiciary Committee of Congress, where she argued that women had been legally enfranchised by the 14th and 15th Amendments, which defined US citizenship and stated citizens have the right to vote. I have never in the whole 20 years good fight felt so full of life and hope, Susan B. Anthony remarked. Patriarchal vengeance was swift and sweeping. The press pilloried the sisters for their belief that women should be able to marry for love, divorce without recrimination, and exercise control in conception and childbearing. The outraged sisters responded, the editor of a leading daily must not be permitted to revel and riot with women and returning to his sanctum, write articles on morality while his recent companions are being arrested. There is but one way by which this one-sided business can be rectified. The tables must be turned. There is no other way but by holding up actual examples for public inspection, and this we propose to do until there is a leveling in the widely separated standard of morals for the different sectors. Then the sisters named names, the first of many they threatened to expose. Railroad Commissioner Luther C. Chalice and a male companion had violated two young girls and then subjected them to gang rape over a period of days. And the Reverend Henry Ward Beecher, America's most famous preacher, had engaged in criminal intimacy with Mrs. Theodore Tilton. Beecher's supporters engaged Anthony Comstock to destroy the sisters, and over the months that Susan B. Anthony defended herself for casting an illegal vote for president, Victoria Woodhull and Tennessee Claflin were imprisoned in New York City jails on charges of obscenity and libel, rearrested on new charges each time they posted bail, even though the stories they had printed were well known in social circles and had appeared in other papers. 
As she mounted her defense, Victoria warned the public of the larger consequences of the case. Not only is the freedom of the press threatened by the present prosecution, but so also is the freedom of speech. Though the courts eventually exonerated Victoria Woodhull and Tennessee Claflin, a critical public condemned the sisters for the truths they told, yet forgave Henry Ward Beecher his lies. In the aftermath, women nationwide would feel for generations the effects of repressive laws passed by Congress at Anthony Comstock's behest, criminalizing abortion and declaring it a crime to advertise, sell, or speak about contraceptive devices. Thank you for listening to The Genius of Liberty. This series is named after The Genius of Liberty, one of the first U.S. periodicals published by a woman. Elizabeth A. Aldrich covered women's rights conventions and advocated equal access to education, equal pay for equal work, and voting rights for women. She also had ties to the Mercantile Library. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts and find all our episodes on soundcloud.com slash thegeniusofliberty. Our theme music is Battle Hymn of the Republic Medley by Marissa Anderson, originally recorded live on WFMU and used with permission. Catherine Dirac writes and voices all the Genius of Liberty stories, and Chris Messick records and produces the series, which comes to you from Cincinnati's Mercantile Library. Since 1835, you belong here.